0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. i'm robin and i'm and today i'm here with i'm heather
1: uh i am the mysterious one of the other siblings
0: Wahaha! (laughs) spooky uh yeah uh nicole is not with us today they joined us for the first two books in this trilogy and then uh today for discussing wayward witch by zoraida cordova book three of the of the brooklyn brujas it's me and heather Let's get into our factions. First, we have Rose slash Eliza, Rose's father, Iris, Arco, Lynn, Nadira, Calliope, and then just just like a bunch of Fae. just a bunch bunch of other Fae. There's 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 a bunch of them. Um, uh, there's so many. I'm I'm sorry, all you well the characters we didn't we didn't even try to list you all. There's so many of you. Um. And getting into our first topic, we have Nadira, Deadly Journey. Um okay, so part of why we don't list like all the phases, there's a bunch of them. And they just kind of like like slowly die just as the journey as the the group progresses. <laughs> Members slowly. It's it's very much a very well,
1: it's very much a dangerous thing they're trying to accomplish and the road there is mm-hmm. very dangerous and you just kind of blink and then someone else is gone
0: yeah it's like you start out with like kind of way too big too many. of the cast so many and people and then it, but by the end it's a perfectly manageable amount that completely makes sense and is great when we were doing and the notes i literally was flipping them, them through died. the book
1: trying to remember who was who and and then why aren't they on a later page? When I was reading through the book, I was surprised when I was like, I haven't read about this character in a while. What was their name? And then I flip back and I find their name at their death scene. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs>
0: There's a lot. Yeah. I like this book. I definitely recommend it. Don't but... don't
1: over worry about trying to keep track of all of the characters. Yeah. But don't be surprised if you realize that someone just died um though with this character with nadira her death scene at least for robin and i was very memorable
0: um yes hers is the most memorable it's kind of like the last it is one of the later deaths and um it gets to pack a little bit more of a punch they like talk about her in kind of a different way after she dies. Yeah, she um her death kind of sticks with the main character
1: uh, a bit more poignantly than the rest of them.
0: Yeah, because she was along later in the journey, and so there's more time for Rose to have gotten to know her and to really be invested in her dying, because Rose didn't know any of these fey before the journey started, basically. And so it makes sense narratively that the earlier deaths don't nearly have as much impact for Rose because she really doesn't know them very well. Um, But but by the time Nadira dies, it's very sad.
1: It's a very interesting context that they're put in of the situation of they have to go and accomplish this thing. Rose has to go with them. None of them know her. Very few of them like her. And mm-hmm. yet, as it goes, they even as they die, they kind of end up both getting to know her better and caring about her more. But also, for some of them, it almost feels, and I'd have to go back and look in and see if this is not just a, how it came across, but it almost feels like in their deaths, they they mean more to her. Because a lot of them don't just die. There is a lot of um, sacrifice that takes place. Like there's a lot of I will go so that you guys survive. Or I will stay and do this so that you guys survive. Because the Uh end goal is the ultimate thing. And my death will allow this end goal to take place. So that's the other thing. They're not going on this journey going, it's just going to be really hard. They're like, none of us are coming back.
0: Got it. Yeah, because for them... Like, if they don't do this, then there's, it's the end of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the end of all their stuff. Anyway, like, it's an existential, like, problem mm-hmm. for, um, for everyone there. And with Nadira, in particular, she isn't even from this place. Oh my goodness! The name of the place has dropped out of my. She's not even from Addis. Thank you. I um, I also lost it. <laughs> yep. Uh, she's not even from Addis. Uh, the land of the the Fey. It's kind of an island. Yeah, it's like a real world island that slowly got so Fey that it became not on Earth, but also on Earth, but mainly Fey.
1: I do love how how much the things in the mythos in this trilogy are. Mm-hmm ground into no this is actually on earth you're actually here this is an actual place but here's why it's now mythic it's not just boom you're all over here and none of us know what that is and we have no context for it there's very little context for it but it's still it it makes it um have more weight i think
0: Mm -hmm. and so one of the things with nadira is that she came from elsewhere to addis And um, she's either full mermaid or part mermaid. I think she's a full mermaid. She's full mermaid. They just can go on land. Right. There's also part mermaids in the other trilogy, which is why I was pausing for a second. Yeah. So with this journey and with her being a mermaid, she's traveling over land of which is kind of a dangerous place for a mermaid to be. And, one thing with these magical beings is that most of them turn into something when they die. And there's discussion of how like some might turn into like a tree if they're super old. Um, she's a mermaid. She turns into sea Oh man. The description. And is I'm like, really- ah, a, a classic, a classic mermaid death there. There it is. Um, It kind of, it kind of
1: gut punches you a little bit though, because it's not just, and now she's foam. Like the actual Mm -hmm. sentencing of that description, like as you're getting there and you know you're getting there, um, is really poetic and really sad Mm -hmm. and really like very, very well described in the sense that if you are somebody who can... like have a very active visual imagination with something it it's really gonna get you um yeah and oh man one of the characters we get to know more because she's in the story for longer so we as the reader not just rose as the character have more tied up with her we we know more of her history um we are closer with her and then her death is also described more memorably, I don't want to say with more description necessarily, but it the combination of those things means that it just kind of sticks out more and sticks with you then for the rest of the book, even amongst all of these other amazing characters who do get killed, and it is oh man, it is a deadly, 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 deadly journey, um, mm-hmm. and then they hit the end of it, and it's like oh, are we even gonna be able to do this? which is its own. yeah.
0: Like when they lose people early on, it's like, are we going to have enough people to actually like do the thing? Um, And so they're a lot more worried about it by the time it gets to the end. And one thing that I like narratively with how this is structured is, I don't know, like it, because we are meeting all these characters Basically, at the same time that Rose is meeting all these characters, and so Rose is the only one that we have known for longer than this book, We're very much more on her side of how things are happening, and it makes sense that the later you see the later deaths don't have to escalate in gratuity or uh um, gruesomeness of description because the ele- the escalation and the increasing emotional weight comes from how much more we know these characters as opposed to ones that died earlier on and so it allows for um it al- allows for this increased connection and escalation without it feeling like they have to um one up each other or like, um, narratively, not like the characters are trying to die in more interesting and ways. Obviously I they're wanna, not. I also want to say that the, uh,
1: character deaths are also not throwaway deaths.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because as Robin said, they, they escalate the intensity of the story. Um, mm-hmm. but also the people who are still there, who are the other members of this journey are going, are going on this journey. um, care and talk about them and are affected by their death even if rose is off to the side going okay what what happened
0: <laughs> heather i know you haven't played pyre i don't think by super giant games but like for anyone who's played pyre you end up with kind of a similar effect i mean with though you know it's a little bit less sad in pyre because they're not dying um where like you know these characters leave and whoever you get to stay with longer you definitely know like way more about them by the time they exit but you don't like them you don't like the earlier characters less you just literally don't know as much about them yeah Um, Yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's very much so often i found and this might be my last thought on this when you are playing Mm -hmm. games or watching media there are often times when you've watched a lot of a certain genre that you can start being able to pick who's gonna die next oh yeah um i at least couldn't really do that especially with the early on characters of this they don't have this you know we just told you about our backstory in a way that you're now attuned to who we are I just professed something. I just explained that I have a hope for this thing and now I'm dead. Like they don't have any of those consistent clues mm-hmm. at least. At least, again, not in a way that immediately makes you go, huh, what's happening? Um, they, they're they just kind of one of the people and then they're gone. Um, mm-hmm. Which again is why it kind of feels uh, surprising each time. And you have to like read back a sentence to make sure that you read it correctly because it is so out of the blue. So heads up on that, like, as you read through this, yes, yes, they did, yes, they did, just die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I did. The one that I I did predict was that Nadira was going to turn into sea foam, but that's just like that's a thing, yeah, with mermaids, yeah, it just is. Um, but you weren't like going, so. she's the next one.
1: Um, no they're they're no. treated very equally in that um, which I do appreciate weirdly I think um because mm-hmm. I you know don't need it to be look we made you care about them now they're gone it was just here are the people and you're getting to know them and now this one is gone and here's this one and I are getting to know them and you're getting to know this whole group and now this one's gone um and it makes mm-hmm. it weirdly more <laughs>
0: realistic. <laughs>
1: I don't know. But yeah, it's a mm, deadly, 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 deadly journey.
0: On to Rose and Memory Loss. So I really love this. It's a portrayal of memory loss. Um, Memory loss, especially... um, where part of what she can't remember is that she's forgetting things. Um, Which is especially, like, a real problem when people have memory loss that begins and in a way that means that they're not able to remember that they're forgetting things. Like, that's, like, a, a real problem. And in this case, even that she knows that she might lose um certain memories because she knows her father did um when he was an addis before and like it's generally a thing for humans in addis that the consuming things from Addis erode their memory of thing I don't know, it feels like it erodes the memory of things that Addis doesn't care about. Because it's not like she forgets her companions along the journey or something.
1: No, she forgets anything tied to her home. Yes. That's that's what it is. Is It's anything outside of this sphere she forgets about. So she doesn't forget about her dad. She forgets about the rest of her family or is in that process. Yeah. And is like, wait, we're doing this this big thing.
0: Cool. What am I doing afterwards? Yeah, like she doesn't really remember why she cares about doing the big thing um, also like it's it's so well written it uses like context clues to let the reader know that she's forgetting things because um, it just there's like a couple of key moments that make it very clear that she's forgetting and make sure that we know why she has begun to forget and It might be, I don't know if it's possible by, like, scouring the book to try and figure out um, exactly when the thing happened that means that she starts forgetting. I'm not sure how doable that would be, but we know, like, there's this hard point of, like, okay, starting here, she, like, definitely is. And, like, I, when reading it, like, I definitely noticed, like, a little bit earlier in the text, because this is my second time reading it a little bit earlier before that moment and I'm like, okay, it has definitely happened by now that she has begun to forget, but I don't know how precisely you could pin it down but anyway, you get to spend a while, like, thinking that everything is fine and then you find out that, no, she has been forgetting things yeah,
1: it's oh gosh it's very subtle Mm -hmm. um, but her fear of it, you spend, like the first chunk of her time in this place, high key aware that this is a concern. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then she stops worrying about it. And then you start worrying about it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You're like, oh, we have other things that we're focusing on. Okay. Oh no. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Um, And it's, it's a, oh, I don't want to call it a subplot, But it is a consistent plot point throughout the entire story, um, and impacts different things. Um, but if you don't track it, Mm -hmm. um, there's so much other story going on. It's easy to not track it. It's easy to
0: have other things in your brain. Um... Especially think if it's taken care of, for now, at least. Exactly. One of the things that I really appreciate this is that she has a some like very specific personal reasons to be very concerned about the idea that she might forget things. Because she has a lot of um kind of anger and resentment and just like a lot of really complicated feelings a lot of which are negative and only some of which are positive about her dad and how he um didn't how he had lost his memory um and actually part of the kind of inciting incident is that she finds out that maybe he hadn't lost quite as many memories as he said or at least at the time that he said that he still didn't have them, he maybe had some significant portion of them back. um it's and so she already has reason to have like complicated stressful feelings about the idea of losing memory, and when she's not quite ready to be done being mad at him, the idea that she might do the same thing do what of what she already knows he did at the beginning of the book which is not much that she might do some of that herself simply by ending up in Addis and losing her memory that she might put her family through the same thing that he put them through and it leaves her maybe slightly less room to be mad at him or at least less room to to be mad at him for the same reasons like yeah she actually has has to think
1: about it and look at it rationally and decide whether or not it's enough of a reason for her to work towards forgiveness or work towards restoring that relationship or anything um yeah because it's very
0: it's very she's kind of like a at the beginning of the book she's in terms of like moral superiority she's in a privileged position in comparison to her siblings or her parents because she didn't like toss everyone into another world or make a zombie army or like abandon everyone for a bunch of years and since she hasn't done that at the beginning of the book her like she you know feels like everybody has moved on too quickly from all of this and then she accidentally finds that maybe she's doing some of it and she doesn't want to become the same person that she's felt free to resent until now.
1: So the the thing that I really think is interesting with how she as an individual process everything versus how pretty much everyone else in her family does Um mm-hmm. Especially with the conversations around the first few books, the older siblings were very much either, this is absolutely no fault of mine when it is, or <laughs> this isn't my, f- this, this is my fault when it isn't. And that's both of the older siblings do both of those things. And Froze just sits there going, I haven't done anything, but this isn't over why are y'all moving on? Why are y'all healing from this? Hold on. I've been affected by everything that has happened by every other member of the family, except for maybe her mom's choices. Mm -hmm. I am hurt. I am in pain. I am angry. I am older now. She starts a lot younger at the beginning of the series. It's been a couple of years. She's becoming the age that her her sisters were at the beginning of the series i think yeah she has her Mm -hmm. own her own day um her own yep coming of magic ritual or her death age magic ritual there we go um and so it's like she's very external it's everyone else has done this and then gets faced with the but you might but now you might, you might do the exact same thing and you have no way to stop it. You have no agency in this. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not just you might be the same person that your siblings were. You might make the same decisions. It's you're gonna and you can't hold any superiority over it in not even the sense of you're making the same choices that they did. But in the uh-huh. sense of if you don't have agency... What makes you think they did? Have you thought about that? Maybe they don't have agency. And that's not necessarily that they don't have agency in the other books. um, But she's confronted with that as a possibility for why the things have happened the way they happened. Which she doesn't consider at the beginning.
0: Yeah, because she she definitely thinks of everyone else having had a lot more control. And not that they didn't have control as characters but she she
1: thinks that all of the situations could have been avoided by the choices of the other people
0: well and also in in she has been the one in the helpless position with relationship to both of their things because she's just you know stuck in the tree in the other world while Alex goes on a jaunt with her girlfriend well and with her dad as well so right right
1: with it's with three out of the four major other family members she has been in a helpless affected victimized situation and now she is finding herself in a position of she might become the person making the choices that are negative but becoming that person won't be within her own agency because she's losing the Mm -hmm. memories of impacting yes. other people. <laughs> she's losing yep. the memories of her home, of her family, of the people she cares about. Um, and it scares her. And yet she's also confronted with, my dad went through the same thing and I've been so angry at him for all of this stuff. Maybe that wasn't fair, but I'm still angry. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And it's this dual inner conflict that she has for so much of the story. Um, Because
0: there's room for both, both that maybe it's not all the way fair for her to be, for her to be that angry at him, but also she is angry.
1: And it's learning. I think it's an important difference of you can, the anger of someone's choices, like that they made a choice and angry at the impact it had on you. And she's Mm -hmm. learning how to, um, discern between those two because mm-hmm. just because somebody actually didn't have a choice or agency was taken from their hands okay so now you don't have the anger towards them or maybe it's unfair but you can and 100 it is valid to be angry that the impact had an effect on you
0: or or not even necessarily always I think this would be like the last thought for this section but not even necessarily always that someone doing something that hurt her means that they didn't not necessarily her learning that that means that they didn't have agency but that there being room for someone else to have made a different decision and so it's like okay well you're now in the same position that your dad was in a lot of ways but it's what not, are you going to do exactly. now? You don't like what he did. So what are right. you choosing?
1: And it's but it's without it being a invalidation of all of the pain and hurt and anger that she has had right. because of the effect it's had on her life. The author doesn't invalidate that. It says no, that's very real. So how are you going to not do that?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's oh, 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 very well done. Yeah.
1: Hard hard topics.
0: On to rose and abandonment no one's favorite time okay um it's gonna say everyone's favorite no no probably not no um okay this discussion will spoil a major plot point if you do not want a major plot point to be spoiled um Rose has has a bunch of abandonment and a bunch of stuff related to abandonment, and we're going to talk about who left and maybe a bit of what they did. So, um, left, this y will spoil things. Yep, this will spoil things. So, if you don't want that, please jump straight to the wrap-up. The timestamp is in the show notes. Okay. For abandonment. Ooh oh my goodness Uh, so much okay so this is as much about who left why how it made rose feel than what he did while he was gone um yeah it's
1: it's about all of that i do want to start off with saying that she doesn't just feel abandoned by one person there is a general air of neglect and abandonment and the idea that at least by the rest of her family that she's always confident and capable and can take care of herself and is yeah. having to do that on her own. And then it gets focused in on the fact that her dad did leave the family for a long time. And then
0: so keeping in yeah keeping in mind that we, even though we start the book, not as much talking about how she feels after her, how she feels because of the abandonment from her dad the way in which she feels currently abandoned by her family definitely has its roots in the stuff with her dad so first i want to briefly talk about how she feels at the start of the book with respect to um all of her family because she feels kind of like emotionally abandoned like she she's emotionally adrift from them she feels out of step with the way that they are proceeding through the world, because she feels as though they have somehow been able to move on from what happened to them in the previous books and even before the events that are um, recorded in Labyrinth Lost and Brooklyn, uh, or sorry, in and Bruha Born, yeah. yeah. She
1: definitely has um, a bit of resentment growing not just for her dad who left, but also for the fact that her siblings, as they are processing and healing the the after effects of their own choices, are not seeming to care about how she is doing after all of Mm -hmm. the events that have taken place. Um, And then she... I think there's, there's like a, I think it's an argument, right? I don't remember. It's been, it's been a little bit since I read it. There's something that happens that then, oh, the the people show up. Anyway, uh, so she and her oh, dad yeah. end up in this other place. And now she is shown how he lost his memory um, and starts having to process and deal with, as we said in the last topic, the own potentiality of her losing her memory. And oh no, now she's going to be put in the same position he was. And then, so she's having all these big emotions and has resentment and is trying to deal with the um, big journey that they're on literally physically on to go stop this thing and, and fix the place that they're living at, um, in order for her to then be released and go home. And, it's it's a doozy. So she's going through a lot. Um, and then finds out what her dad was up to while he was there.
0: Yeah, and part of what he was up to was having a whole other family. Yeah. And that has its own like special kind of sting because, you know, she is told first she's told that he can't remember at all what happened. Then she hears stuff about, like, salt mines and having to eat flowers, and she gets this, like, kind of much more awful picture of what happened to him. And that's not wrong, but has a new wife and a new kid really wasn't part of she's that
1: she's image. grown up without a dad and finds mm-hmm. out that this other person had her dad while she didn't and then also wrestles with like they have two opposing viewpoints of him um Mm -hmm. but they are both hurt because they've both been abandoned by him and both times kind of not um of his own choice (laughs) but kind of yes i think i think this no i think the sibling he left to go back to the original family right
0: um, or was it, he, he realized he had his family and, and had to go, but they. No, because he didn't, he didn't remember um, about his other family until he, he, about his original family until he had been um, in Florida for like that's six right, months. That's right, that's right, that's right. So,
1: so yeah, they both, yeah, so- they both lose him without him choosing to abandon them. Um, but for both of them, he doesn't immediately go home. And instead, goes to another family. And... Both times, yeah. Both times. And then they
0: kind of reconcile that to an extent, uh, thankfully. I think... But... I think Lynn Lynn was maybe a little bit more able to reconcile it because Lynn didn't think that... Their father left. Lynn thought that they had been ki- that he had been yes. killed, and so finding out that, he's alive. that he right, it's a very different feeling to be like, "Oh, I thought you were dead. Well, actually, I was alive, and just like couldn't really get back." Where they kind the the family in Brooklyn. They kind of, sort of, they they had something that looked a little bit like that, but there's there's a difference between you've been gone long enough that you're probably dead, and the king hates you and actively kills people, mm-hmm. and so you're probably well, dead. Like those are two different and, kinds of
1: probably and dead. And her dad has been back long enough that Rose has had time to adjust, and no, he's no longer dead. He's back with us, so she's moved past that piece of it and has moved on to the why did it take you so long where were you what Mm -hmm. were you doing um versus um the the other family where it's like um the sibling what's the sibling's name i'm going blank lynn Lynn, thank you versus lynn who is still at the i got my dad back
0: right and lynn is also like a bit younger yeah
1: um So I would actually be very interested to see how Lynn processes things in a couple of years when they've hit the same amount of processing time that Rose has. But this time they have more of the answers. The family has more support. Um, things are developing better. Like it's, oh man talk about having similar situations and very different reactions and effects on you by it. Um, Uh but I also really appreciate that in the story, it's not a one and done in terms of Rose's relationship with her dad. It's not like, I hate you. No, now we're great. It's slow. It's questions. It's It's coming back at the end of the book and things aren't perfect. But they're at, finally, by the end of the book, they're at a new point where they can start to heal.
0: And, like, the, as a trilogy, these three books, they're very much, like, different kinds of coming of age. And Rose's kind of coming of age. So, like, I don't know, Alex is a little bit, like, you can't, I think, I'm not sure what Alex's is, um, the second one in um, in in Bruja Born, the message is, like, you can't control everything. That's absolutely the message of, of Bruja Born, is that you can't control everything. And and the message of Wayward Witch is that... I think it's kind of the message for all like, like, three of them, but in their own way.
1: You can't control it. Well, but then how it manifests and how it affects each of them is extremely different. Because,
0: like, in this one... Well, what I was going to say yeah. is that for for Rose, the 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 message is... That things are complicated and you can have complicated feelings about them and you need to give other people space to have complicated things about them and to be like, you know, happy about things that maybe you don't like or upset about things that you do like. And like the, the mere existence of Lynn at this point in time means that they can't all ever be happy about the exact same thing because there is a way in which and um rose doesn't express this thought in the book and for that i'm grateful because like it would be like a bit harsh and make it like a little bit harder to like rose if this was a thought that she had immediately jumped to but there's a way in which as a character The ending for her is much neater when Lynn's mother is already dead. And I think that if she were to say that to Lynn, that would be like extremely harmful and very bad. But her happy ending is incompatible with Lynn's hypothetical best version of a happy ending, which is that they're... Dad comes back and their mom didn't. So die. If like you their wanna, best version is something closer to the one that Rose actually gets. I
1: would say for Rose, okay, it's things are complicated. Let complications and complicated feelings exist together. Um for um Alex, I would say you cannot deny yourself. You cannot deny who you actually are like you you mm-hmm. can work with who you are to become who you want to be but you can't it is completely unhealthy to try and cut literal pieces of yourself off um mm-hmm. and she like tries to cut her magic out and that is an intrinsic part of her and she cannot do that um
0: mm-hmm.
1: gosh i'm doing horrible with names today the oldest uh, sister Wow. Anyway, uh, hers is you cannot be in control. Lula. Thank you. It's Lula. She cannot be in control of destiny. (laughs) She could be in control of herself and her own choices. Uh, So I I would say if if that's what you're going for, those are each of their own coming of age um, realizations and things they have to work through. Yeah. No, uh, abandonment is a very solid struggle in this entire this entire book um that rose is constantly thinking about and processing and um while trying to go and save (laughs) this island (laughs) um yeah oh man these books really really dig in We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A Certain Point of View podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts.
0: Or at certainpov.com reignite.
1: We're counting on you.
0: We should go. We have a new patron at the library curator level. Please welcome Case Aiken to the ranks of patrons receiving a monthly shout out. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to join Case in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Hello. It's the wrap up and ratings for Wayward Witch. And I am Robin and I'm not here with Nicole. I am here with Heather.
1: Hello, I'm back. Round Hello.
0: Three. here we go. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you listened to all the other parts of the episode, you already know that I'm talking to Heather, but if you jump right. straight to the wrap-up, as is, you're right, and occasionally recommended if you're trying to avoid spoilers, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I'm talking with Heather. Nicole's not here today. Uh, they were doing a different thing uh, called so- being busy on a Tuesday night, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're not here, they're doing their own thing. Wrap up, here we go.
0: Yes, wrap up. Anyway, um, for the gratuity rating for the journey. Alright, what do we think for this journey? I don't, I think it's at least moderate. I don't think it's severe. Um, okay, be- that, that fits with my at least moderate stance.
1: Because... I would say it's moderate. It's very consistent. It is constant. You're constantly aware of it. But you as the reader do not feel as if you are being dragged through the journey itself. You are not in danger. You are not. Mm-hmm. Your your anxiety is not spiking, hopefully. Um, so
0: that goes, that part of it more goes into
1: care. Yes. But um, it's also, it's also, I'm, you're constantly aware of it, but you're not, it's, in none of it
0: is, I really think that this is moderate. Yes, because it's not mild. As ma- it's not mild. Right, I do think it's it's moderate. Um, because as many characters as um, die in this deadly journey, um, you don't spend... It's weird, you don't spend the whole time waiting to see who's going to go next.
1: And it's like, oh, and there's
0: another one. Um, and there are it's, certain
1: it's deaths l- that are more you know gut punchy and and hit you more than others so it's also not just oh look and people die and we move on like it is right it is it takes a toll
0: it's not callous mm-hmm. but it's like yeah there, there's a lot of of death related tropes that it could have leaned into more and generally speaking it doesn't um if you check the content warnings most of those tropes associated with death like they're just in the like i didn't well i didn't really mark any of them as graphic so yeah um yeah i do think that this is a moderate gratuity now is the uh memory loss uh it's somewhere between moderate and severe because that's at least what I think. I I would actually lean towards moderate. I was gonna say um, between mild and moderate, so I think moderate's good. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> it it yep. I'm gonna don't want to belabor that too much. It's just it's moderate. Yeah, abandonment. Um, I
1: would
0: say moderate to severe. Okay. Either. Yeah. Yeah. I would actually. She processes it so much. It's it's very pervasive. It's very... I I think her abandonment was more severe in the other books. Because this is, Mm. by definition... The aftermath of of the abandonment. Right. Like, they're together. And that's kind of the point of this book, is, like, reconciling that prior hurt and figuring out how to deal with it. The healing um, process of abandonment severe. The actual abandonment itself, mild or moderate. Moder- yeah, I think moderate. Yeah. Um, the um, spoilery surprise. Do you think that the spoilery surprise associated with the- with abandonment kicks it up too severe? Because if anything does, it would be that that does.
1: Um, uh, I don't think it would make it severe. But I definitely okay. would say it's a reason why it's not mild.
0: Sounds good. All right, so that one's moderate. Moderate all around. Yeah. Okay. Is the trauma integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? All right, with the deadly journey, I would like to argue that it's by definition interchangeable. Just It just is. Like, there's enough um, deadliness in the deadly journey that, like, it's kind of spread around. You, you could have changed you who, you could have changed how... Uh, you could have changed, changed how changed when. many.
1: You could have changed when. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have had literally fewer people die, but just get injured. Um, the deadliness of the journey doesn't even. It's need pretty to, important. Like the the final piece of it is what's important. The fact that it's not an
0: easy journey is important. Um, Ooh, do you? Th- but, are you? Is your counter that it didn't even need to be a deadly journey because that would make it irrelevant? And I find no, that interesting. No, I don't think you're. It's wrong you. You necessarily. needed the the ramp up. I I would argue you needed the ramp
1: up. Um, but you didn't need okay. it as much as it's in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you could definitely have changed. Oh, who you could have guys. changed too. You could have changed how. You could have changed when. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, memory loss is integral. It is integral to the plot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Um, yeah. Books one and two would have had to be very different in order for yep. memory loss to not be relevant here. So, this is Memory integral.
1: loss is the sparking point.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abandonment. Okay. <gasps> um. Oh, God. Um. I kind of think abandonment (sighs) is irrelevant. interchangeable. Ooh, irrelevant. Okay, okay. Explain irrelevant. Because I was going to go, it's it's not integral. It might be interchangeable. She
1: didn't need to have the abandonment to show up there. She didn't need to have the abandonment to go on the journey. She didn't need the abandonment to fix the thing at the end. And she didn't need the abandonment to reconcile with her dad.
0: You're, yeah. There, there's. Yep. it would have made the first two books pretty different yes but
1: overarching overarching for the series i think it's it's um a natural thing for her to be having to handle and deal with but for this individual
0: book she didn't need it it didn't have abandonment didn't have to be the thing that she was still processing was a very good flavor for the book mm-hmm. it was
1: it was it made it very tasty so that it's not just mm-hmm. we're
0: going on a journey and
1: a bunch of people are dying and now we fixed it like it gives an undercurrent
0: but mm-hmm.
1: i but would for this I would plot argue it is irrelevant.
0: irrelevant no I, I agree yeah interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always it's always fun when our like biggest trauma in the book uh, is, even is even the twist at the end irrelevant e-
1: even even the twist with this last topic, yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah, irrelevant. Text. Great. Lovely. Appreciate the flavor, but yep, it's irrelevant. Okay. <laughs> um was the trauma treated with care? I don't think the deaths were I think they were either treated with not enough or yes, just enough just care. Enough. Okay, um, yeah. Cause like you weren't you you were not none of them were belabored. Mm-hmm. Even
1: the longest "quote unquote" death scene scenario was like two pages of the whole thing happening. Um, the actual death itself was like less than a paragraph of details and information. So, yeah, I would I would say it's just enough. You're also
0: the, the deaths aren't very graphic, yeah. but there isn't much cushion. Around them. exactly,
1: and in yeah. in the the first topic we talked about, we talked about the level of graphicness of the most graphic, or at mm-hmm. least the one that that stuck out the most. Um, and I think we discussed it in about as much detail as it is in the actual book. So
0: there is a there, little bit more there's maybe. A, there's a death later. Oh, that's that true. I do not want to spoil. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so that death was a little bit more but yeah this is this is um enough care yeah there's a lot the deadly journey
1: but it's not it's not completely callous or graphic yep
0: um for the memory loss I that was
1: care there was lots of care yeah this
0: was treated with a lot of care again like the,
1: the actual you you kind of miss almost when she starts losing her memory and it's
0: you're aware that it's a concern. And with a topic like memory loss, um, I think part of the care was making sure that at a certain point through the book, we know the reader specifically knows that it's happening. I think that is part of the care and both that it doesn't belabor it and that it makes sure that we know not going to say that that might be a spoiler. Yeah. 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 No spoilers. Okay. For the abandonment. I don't really think this was treated with care. I don't like she she's thinking about it a lot. She's processing it a lot. She's very
1: um vocal whether it's in her inner monologue that we're reading or out loud. Mm-hmm. You're you're really aware of it. You're aware of how it's affecting her, the
0: exact treatment she's gone through. And I would like to say that especially for one where we've said that it was moderate irrelevant and then not treated with care, this Part of what's happening in her emotional landscape is processing the very, very messy, um, raw emotions related to that abandonment. And so part of what makes it the book that it is, is giving her the space to deal with it. But
1: which I will say, part of what
0: makes it the book that it is, is that i i I will say i appreciate that the author
1: specifically addresses it based off Uh of how the other books went um Mm -hmm. but they addressed it it... by having the character
0: process it in almost real time with you yes (laughs) which is great in the book but also doesn't feel like that Topic has a bunch of care with respect yeah. to if you're how hard it, it might things. be for someone to read. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. For the point of view, for the trauma and aftermath. Um, I would like to say we it is it is Rose the whole time, but memory loss Rose feels different than trying not to forget Rose. And so we kind of have two different flavors of Rose mm-hmm. throughout
1: the book. Two, two different perspectives, d- even though it is the same person, because the approach that yeah. they're coming at different things is different. Yep. Yeah. But everyone else, every everything else is Rose.
0: Yep. It's all Rose. All right. Time for trope spotter, where uh, we talk about a trope that is in the book and the trope, For this book is Trapped in Another World. Alright, you can quibble about how this island of Addis being actually somewhere that you could point to on a map, but only boat to if you're like... You only actually physically swim to if you're magical or whatever. If you want to quibble about whether that's really another world, okay, fine. I see you. But this... like They they went through a portal to get here and they go through a portal to get home. Like... This is a portal fantasy story. The, the
1: effects on it are pretty isolated to that place. It's not pollution into the uh-huh. ocean that's going to affect the whole world. Unlike the other things that happened where it very much was. This yeah. is impacting more than just this sphere of existence.
0: Yep. So there's the trope spotter is trapped in another world when the characters are trapped in another world. Uh <laughs> shocker. It's exactly (laughs) what it says on the tin. There are Uh, some other tropes we we thought about, but
1: they would have been major spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There are lots of tropes in here, but...
0: Yes, spoilery ones. Alright, what was your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Oh, gosh, um... (laughs) Gosh, my favorite
1: non-traumatic thing... (sighs) Do you have one? I have to think of one. I know that I have them. I
0: just can't think of what they are right now. So much of this is tangled up in trauma. Um gosh. My favorite non-traumatic thing. I Okay. My I think my favorite character is like Iris and her rapport with Arco. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and like that their names like put together literally are a rainbow and i don't know just like the the moment where it like mentions that specifically like it has kind of the feeling of like someone being like so so happy that they thought of that that like you gotta like make sure the reader knows that 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 happened that's it that's in there it's Alright, Zoraida. No, that's a good joke. I appreciate that you took the time to make sure that I got that you did that, because I am the reader who completely missed it until Rose is like, ha, hey, wonder if I should tell her that her name with her brothers is a rainbow. So um probably shouldn't tell her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Rose. Okay, we got it. We see, that was funny. Um Alright I like what's yours? I like the pen. Mm-hmm. I
1: like the pen. It's a really mm-hmm. cool pen. The story is really cool. It's the whole book—I was going to say descriptions again. I think I've just descri- said descriptions of something for the last two books. I love, I love the descriptions in this book, but I want oh, that yeah. pen.
0: <laughs> some of the dis- some of the best descriptions are of things that are absolutely traumatic. Oh, One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like, oh, man. my favorite description is of the throne, but <laughs> ugh, yikes. Ugh. One of not, my favorite
1: descriptions is
0: of a scene we discussed in the first half. Yeah. Mm-mm. Beautiful description, but not... Gorgeous, but ooh. Not, <sighs> not a good time. No. Um, but no, I... Except for the reader. I want that pen. Uh, Re- so read good.
1: the book to find out about the pen, but I want that pen.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this episode and for joining us for this trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can people find you? Huh. I always freak out at this moment, even though I said the same thing so many
1: times in <laughs> so many places. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mama Dragon twenty, and you can find me on uh, TikTok and Instagram at mama dragon s underscore den it is mama dragons den there is no apostrophe um as well as well and for for both of those those are my creative outlets um dnd content on tiktok it's great um and then i am also a co-host with nicole from this podcast Uh, for Point and Play, P-O-I-N-T-E and Play, uh, which is a dance and music discussion slash comedy podcast, um, where we talk about pretty much anything related to those two topics from the lens of our own experiences, um, and decades worth of experience in both of those, uh, spheres, um, and we are also on TikTok, where we post anything related to those that we're doing. Uh, I've posted marimba warm ups before, so come check that out; it's fun. And beyond that, oh, I am a one of the rotating guests on Crit Chat, which is a D anD D DMing advice podcast. Come for the chaos come for the advice (laughs) stay for the chaos is probably the better way to say it um excellent yeah and that's where you find me i am on twitter pretty consistently though so come talk to me have fun
0: cool all right so thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you in a fortnight All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at Mama Dragon Twenty. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPov shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at books that burn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at kofi.com/books that burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com. Books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list, bonus content, including the second half of all interviews, and will receive a one time shout out. To get updates on our written reviews, recent episodes, and newly completed transcripts, subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at button books that burn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. This helps people to find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.